And welcome back to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where I am joined by friend and fellow streamer Vernsis Sephor. Now, I discussed with the goal kicking lock what his time was like playing over in France, what he took away from his time in the Canterbury system when he left school, and how being a dad has changed his outlook on life. For all that and much more, continue listening. Cheers. Well, first things first, bro. Thank you very much for accepting my invitation onto Code with Kingy. Appreciate you uh, <laughs> telling your story on my platform. Uh, I know that you, I mean, you, you've still got a lot of rugby left in you and you, you've still got a lot of aspirations, but your career's taken a different path than maybe, you know, what we see in the media. And that's not to discredit it. If anything, it's, you know, it, it, it's almost an eye-opener potentially for people who are going to listen to this into that, you know, like even though you might not quite crack the big scene initially, you know, there's still a bit of coin to be made overseas, bro. So, that's yeah. just family, bro. It's been good. I've been, been an avid listener, so it's, it's good to actually be a part of it. And yeah, thanks for having your time, taking the time out of your day to yeah, have a chat with me, bro. And hopefully someone listens, whether it's my mum or my dad, bro. Hopefully someone listens. <laughs> Same with me, bro. I'm pretty sure mum and dad rack up on my views, eh? So. <laughs> But why don't we start off with where you grew up and how you started playing rugby? So, bro, um, so uh, I was born in um, Suva, Fiji, um, and then moved over to Wellington because uh, mum got a got a job to work for the Australian High Commission in, in town. Um, so we moved over here when I was about maybe six or seven, I think, or maybe yeah, six, seven, eight. I can't really remember. And then um, yeah, started playing rugby when I was I think maybe nine or ten. Um, and played junior rugby at Huddle Boys, me and my brother. Yeah, and then we, we yeah, junior rugby played with guys like Safor and like Brett Manai and stuff from Huddle Boys. So, yeah, have, have some good memories. Salisi, especially Salisi Rashi. Fuck, how could I forget that guy, man? Um, his old man, yeah, his old man was pretty much like a, my second dad eh, at the club. Um, and then we went to, did like our rug, usual rugby, junior rugby tours uh, to Australia. And then, yeah, played for Huddle Boys until under-13s opens. And then, yeah, kicked on to college and then, yeah, just just went on from there, really. So, were you going to school in Lower Hutt? Yep. So, uh, initially we started at um, uh, Kelson Primary. Me and my sister, uh, and my brother actually, we went to Kelson Primary just down the road because we used to live up in Kelson. Um, so we just used to always walk to school, uh, rain or shine, because um, we didn't want to go get dropped off my mum and dad too early, because they usually leave work around seven seven thirty. So, still a bit too early and. Mum and dad didn't want to really put us in Oscar because it was a bit expensive. <laughs> so, because me and my sister and my brother used to just walk to school and then walk back because we had my auntie living up at the top of Kelston in Katangata. Uh, Chris, up, up the very top. It's one of the last streets. So, um, yeah, we just always catch the bus or walk up because my um, granddad always looked after us after school. So, as long as, yeah, pretty much just every time we go there, uh, your granddad always had a cup of tea and some biscuits waiting for us after school and then Chucked on a bit of Beyblades, but I was fighting my sister for the remote because she was wanted to watch Disney Channel. Okay, so, <laughs> so it was a bit tough, bro. But my my granddad always went, um, yeah, always sided with my sister. So yeah, bro, always a losing battle, eh? Yeah, that always seems to be the case uh, with us boys <laughs> in the family. But you mentioned playing junior rugby for Huddle Boys. Mm-hmm. 
was is, is rugby like a, a family activity you know was it something that your old man played and then passed on to you kids or did you follow your brother how did how did you get into playing rugby once you were in New Zealand um well pretty much because yeah being in New Zealand that's that's the main sport because my, my first sport me and my brother played we were actually soccer players believe it or not um so yeah that, that's pretty much what I think where my love for kicking the ball came from me eh? pretty much playing soccer because we played a bit of uh, soccer in Fiji but just for school and Vincent was a bit chubbier than me, so he was the he was always the goalie because he filled out the goal a bit more. And um, me being a bit skinny when I was a bit younger, um, I was up the front in the, or the midfield, eh? So, yeah, well, but it's completely different. So, yeah, my, my old man played rugby. I uh, played a bit of rugby in Fiji for, like, um, so the equivalent of, of Wellington. He played in, in Fiji. Uh, but he always said that if he um, didn't um, start having kids, Hurricanes would have been on, on the flank for, for Fiji, bro, but... I've seen some photos of him in the albums, bro, and he's a stack, bro. He's so skinny, man. But yeah, he always goes on about it. He goes, yeah, I did my shoulder. But yeah, he, he played um he played with a few um greats of, of Fiji rugby. Yeah, he played with the Serivi and um his junior uh, like his his club mm-hmm. in um in, in Suva. So yeah, he's got got a few photos to prove it as well. So that part I believe him, but whether or not he would have kicked on to play for Fiji, bro, I'm not too sure. But it all started with him, and um, he's always been our, our biggest fan and our biggest supporter growing up. So um, it's, it's kicked off from when we first started picking up a rugby ball to, to, to now, where he's always on the sidelines as much as he can. Um, obviously, he was a bit gutted through COVID because of that 100 spectator rule, bro, and like nobody could really, none of our family could really come and watch. Mm-hmm. So he was just always watching the live streams and, and sending me text messages because I was running the waters. Um, just just checking how things are and, and what, what's, what's the vibe with the boys and saying, oh, tell, tell them to do this, tell them to do that. And I'm like, oh, it's my first year in the club where I can't say much. Eh? <laughs> but yeah, right, he's, he's always been, uh, yeah, been the biggest supporter for us. So that, that's pretty much where it started for me. Um, oh, really? Especially for rugby. And then, yeah, bro, it's kind of got, got on to I mean, my brother at the moment. Yeah, I don't know where I'd be without my parents in terms of with my, my whole sort of battler rugby career, bro, the amount of trainings that, you know, you, you get dropped to and then, you know, yeah, you, you take up your whole day Saturday and, bro, yeah. to be honest, I've gone down and watched, you know, some kids rugby and, bro, like, bless them, but it's a tough watch, bro, and to do that weekend and weekend <laughs> out, you know, like, for however long I've been playing rugby, yeah. I really take my hat off to, more so my dad, eh, my mum sort of stuck at it to begin with, but then she got sick yeah. of it because she can't really bear rugby, so... Yeah, yeah, the old man sort of had to cope with the demands of me wanting to play rugby as a kid. But back to you, bro. You finish up at Hard Old Boys, or you know, you progress through. You know, you probably played like your heart belly under thirteens, and so yeah. was the. Yeah. And I know that your brother ended up kicking on to go to Silverstream. So was that just a natural progression for you, or like was Silverstream like always the school you wanted to be at as a young fella? Yeah, bro. Because Vincent, um, he played his um, oh, he did his intermediate at St Bernard's. Um, but then we moved over to Upper Hutt, so um, I think we were in the zone then for St. Pat's, so yeah, it was only yeah, it was only pretty much natural for us to apply to St. Pat's Silverstream, so I think, yeah, Vincent was quite a good junior rugby player and college rugby player, then I think he just kind of, I'm not too sure what he's up to now, I think he's just playing socially, um, but yeah, bro, he, yeah, he got accepted into Silverstream, and like, from, from what he told me, he, he, he loved it, so it was... So it was only natural for me to follow in his footpaths and, and try and yeah see if, see if I can crack on with a bit of rugby at, at college and yeah well, it's yeah don't don't um have any regrets going to St Pat's Stream but it's it's good for us to understand like obviously being from a different country like how important rugby is to to kids and especially um 
how, how important it is playing college rugby. Like the traditionals were probably the, the biggest thing I, I always remember. Like yeah, the, the last uh, two years I played traditional team rugby, man, it was some pretty um, unforgettable memories that you, you get to play playing in those traditionals, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, bro, it was, it was pretty cool. Now I know that you know you're a pretty clever cookie, or oh, and um, <laughs> but you know at school you, you know there are a few you boys you probably didn't apply yourself the way that you probably could have. Uh, yeah. So I mean, like while you were at school, was what were your goals? Like, was the goal to become a professional rugby player? And if so, like how young were you? Like, did you make a rep team and you know get a bit of an inkling that you know this could be you know a career path for you? Did you did you have that sort of outlook at high school? Um, yeah, bro, like, yeah, you're right, bro, like, I, yeah, I can, I can sit now and reflect back on my time at school, and I can say that I didn't really yeah, take, take school too seriously until my last couple of years, I think, um, but yeah, bro, like, I, I was fortunate enough to, to get, yeah, pretty much picked up with the, with the academy, um, from year 12 and 13, straight after, um, under-18s, because I played two years of under-18s with, um, like, Louis and played with some guys like James Blackhorn and stuff, club, uh, sorry, college, like, college rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, getting picked up with those guys, like, oh yeah, they asked asked to come along to the academy trainings and did my did my two years there before I went down to Christchurch. After that, oh, I just yeah, my old man just obviously kind of jilted and me and my brother's ear, like, it's great that you're playing rugby and making these rep teams and stuff, but you gotta kind of knuckle down and <laughs> and figure out what you're gonna do. But obviously, being quite young, you never really take that take account of that because you think when once you're young, bro, you're, you're quite like you're you're invincible, like you can do anything, eh? So. I always thought, yeah, I'm just going to buy my time with the academy and hopefully I'll make the Lions or maybe the Hurricanes or something down the, down the track, bro. But, yeah, bro, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> but, I mean, how, how, I can... yeah. <laughs> I mean, how serious are those environments, though? Because, you know, if there just happens to be some sort of 14-, 15-year-old kid or even, even some of us oldies, you know, maybe I'm not an oldie, but perhaps, you know, my mum or dad who – might not have any sort of idea as to what goes on in those academies at high school. Is it a very sort of intense experience for you guys? And, you know, maybe walk us through, you know, like your weekly routine, you know, while you were in your last year at school. Uh, yeah, in the, in the last year of school, there was, there was quite a few of us from stream, eh? So it was good. So we always had like a one of the uh, the gap students from overseas who used to always drive us into trainings. Um, so we I think we just paid something like 10 bucks a week uh, for the van. And, you know, like... We we trained Monday to Thursday, uh, mornings, uh, so we had like we had a gym session. Uh, I think Monday, Tuesday, uh, skills Wednesday morning, and then gym again Thursday, and then we'd have a Friday off, and then um, we'd play college rugby on the Saturday, and then I think they were just trying to drill that into us because that's what the academy after school would be like as well, which was that which is exactly the same. So we um, same routine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday skills, Thursday uh, gym again, and then um, Friday rest, and then game Saturday. So I've, yeah, like I, I've I try to take in as much as I can, and but yeah, being being young and obviously being around heaps of the boys, like I think I kind of just kind of slacked off a bit and and just joke because I'm I'm quite a quite a joker, bro. You you probably know I like to to laugh a lot and and I'm quite a quite a happy person, bro. So I did, did I probably rubbed the um a few people the, the wrong way, but they they still <laughs> kind of keep me around. I think so. Yeah, bro. I just. I've always been quite lucky, I think. But then, yeah, obviously being with my, like the boys from school, like Louis, Lester, uh, Rampage, um, Suffolk, all those guys, they like being around them, like Josh Brown and stuff from, from college, being with them from school and then obviously transitioning into the academy. It's, yeah, like you're just used to being around them. The trainees are all good. 
ever look. But you know, my, my like my first couple of years, but they were trying to get me to put on a bit of weight, which which I wish now I kind of stuck with the program because now I'm trying to lose some, <laughs> trying not to get that dad board, bro. <laughs> my hair, bro. Uh, my missus and her friend, bro, they, they say that my, my body figure's like a Coke bottle, bro, so I don't know if that's a compliment or... I haven't seen many, many males around being complimented about their figure, bro, being like a... being quite curvy, bro, but I, I take that with a... I take that as a compliment as much as bro, I can, body bro. positivity, bro, body positivity. It gets to me, bro, it gets to me sometimes, but... <laughs> but it's all good. Oh, I know, you're taking your stride, but touching on the, the academy stuff, so you're training four times a week on top of your school trainings, mm-hmm. uh, and then you, you're obviously having to do your school work, you know, with, with, with the vision of, you know, perhaps going to uni or doing whatever. At any stage during that that weekly process, you know, during your last year of school, your second to last year of school, did it ever get too much, you know, having that much on your plate, you know, because they're, they're almost sort of trying to prep you for professional environments, but you're still mm. a kid and you still yeah. have school on and you still want to socialise because your last year of school is really your last opportunity to be around all your mates and not have yeah. all the pressures of being an adult. So did, yeah. do you, and I'm not saying it would have, you know, perhaps affected you that way, but, you know, could could you see that sort of thing happening or did, did it happen to you or did it happen to somebody else that you knew? Um, yeah, well, like for me, like obviously um, being in that environment, I always thought that, yeah, I was just going to, gonna, like the transition into professional rugby would be quite easy from there. But yeah, well, I, I found it a hard way because so, yeah, like I, I was always up, always wanted to go to the trainings, but when it came to my schoolwork, like I was um, lucky some of my teachers that um, kind of looked after me quite a bit at school, so they always give me a bit of extra time um, with some uh, assignments or, yes, whatever whatever was due, I always got, like always try to either talk my way out of it, asking for a bit of extra time, or they were quite lenient. With, with, with some of us, obviously being, I think they kind of knew of, uh, some of us being in the academy, like what we were up to during the day and um, early mornings and stuff, and then coming straight to school afterwards, I think um, they didn't really push us too much as as to whether or not they were quite strict with us with with our schoolwork. And I think, like for me especially, I, I took that for granted, bro. And yeah, bro, like my my last year, I had to um, yeah, I, I struggled to get my my UE. Um, I passed my level three, thank goodness. Believe it or not, some like even to this day, I think my brother doesn't believe I passed level three. <laughs> even some of the boys, bro, like they're like, nah. Like I've seen you with that level one maths class for three years, bro. I don't know if you passed level three, yo. <laughs> um, I, I did, I did, I did level three. Level, uh, level, I passed my level three, bro. But um, yeah, needed needed uh, my level uh, one maths to get my um, scholarship to get into Christchurch. Um, so yeah, bro, I was just racing around my last year, bro, like leading up to externals. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just trying to race around and try and get uh, my my ten credits. So I think I got maybe uh, three three every year. For, that was in level one maths, <laughs> but then again, bro, it's, it's it's my fault, bro. I didn't really take maths too seriously because I don't know. You actually needed it to like growing up, like yeah, bro. I didn't know you needed the like your core subjects to get the UE, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I took that for granted, and then obviously my last year I was scrambling around trying to 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 get everything, all the as much credits I can as I could to. Yeah, get get that scholarships to um get my scholarship to get down to Christchurch. So True. Yeah, that, that was probably my my biggest takeaway from school. Yeah, well, you got there in the end, and you mentioned <laughs> y- y- your progression to Christchurch. So you get the the rugby scholarship to Lincoln, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And so, yeah, I mean, talk us through that process, you know, like when did you, did you go looking for that? Did it get offered to you? And then maybe yeah. touch a little bit on your experience down south. Um, yeah, bro, like, um, like we, we got sent letters saying that, oh, like there's a rug, there's a, like an awesome rugby scholarship and a program down south in Christchurch. Um, that if, if we're interested, we can just put our name forward for. So I think uh, me, Joel Hintz and Salisi, I think we all applied for the May and we were lucky enough to get accepted. Um, to, to go down and, and um, yeah, but obviously we had to meet the UE requirements. So we, we all we all sussed it out, I think. And then, yeah, my experience down in Christchurch, I did it for about, I think I did the first semester. And then I, um, yeah, packed it in and came back home. Um, but yeah, bro, like, obviously, the, once again, transitioning from, from school, like, my attitude kind of was the same. Like, I can, I can just sit here and pretty much be honest with myself. <laughs> I thought, like, I'd just get by with uni. Mm-hmm. which And I got, like, a huge wake-up call with, uh, the amount of work and the amount of assignments that were due that and I, and I didn't really hand them in and obviously being getting that scholarship there's you have to pass your classes um and ever yeah, i wasn't i wasn't passing my classes bro rugby rugby side of things were good like i was training and i, I was in yeah i, I was in I, I think i wouldn't i was in pretty good nick being down south because they pretty much just ran me ragged because eh? you know being a wellington boy coming down to crushers bro everyone's fitter and faster than you eh? so and I found that out the hard way, bro, because I was running my yo-yo test with the, some of the netball scholars because my yo-yo was shocking, eh? Um, so every time we ran a yo-yo, bro, I was just trying not to be the first one to drop out. Um, so a couple of girls would drop out, bro, then I'd, like, I'd give in, bro, because some of the girls were running, like, 17, 18, like, high 18 yo-yos, bro, and, like, I, I've never been the fittest guy, bro, but, man, like, I just tried not to, to yeah, be the, be the first one to, to give out, pretty much. But, yeah, my experience down there was, was awesome, bro. Like, get to play with some of the schoolboys, um, playing with Joel, Salisi, and obviously meeting some some other scholars um, from like, Auckland and around New Zealand, bro. Like, you, you see these guys on TV through college rugby, and you, and you get to play with them. Our captain of our Colts team was, was Geordie Barrett, bro. So, I, I can say that I played with him, even though it was a bit early in his career. But, yeah, bro, like, you could see that he was, was going to be some uh, someone special with his skill there because... He was sliding over from 50 with his left left foot and he kicks with his right and the way he was passing and tackling because he's he's tall, bro, and you don't expect him to, to, to be as coordinated or do the things that um, someone that size can, should, like, should be, shouldn't be able to do, like he's mm-hmm. actually doing them. So it was cool for us to like actually play and, and get to understand and, and for me pretty much just play with some of those guys that obviously kept on to play professional rugby, like Eddie and Nari, the, the nine for Flu Crusaders in, in Canterbury at the moment. He's still over there. He's, he, we hung out uh, with him and Salisi quite a bit because they were in the same dorm. Um, his, bro, his brother Brian. So, you know, like, we, we, we made some pretty cool memories over there in the short time that, that I was there in those six months and, and played some yeah, played some pretty cool footy yeah, and playing against some um, pretty talented, uh, playing with and playing against some pretty talented athletes as well. Yeah, Geordie Barrett is a freak. He's probably my favourite player at the moment. He's, um, yeah, well, he's, he's, he's just going to do everything, great. eh? Like, there's nothing... Yeah. The guy I can't do, but um, you you touch on the talent with Lincoln offering that that rugby scholarship program. They're going to draw in arguably the best talent in the country down there. You know, it's a, yep. it's a free ride through university as long as you keep your head down and mm-hmm. tick all the boxes. But outside of that, they obviously invest. Well, the Canterbury rugby system is just a farm of talent, and wow. you hear these stories about you know kids being pulled away from their home provinces and you know then they just blossom by the time mm-hmm. they touch down in Christchurch. And some guys take longer than others, and some guys yeah. sort of hit the ground running. But you mentioned you had a really awesome time from a from the rugby perspective. So what is it that they do differently to 
what you've experienced maybe in Wellington or with other coaches that you've had along the course of your rugby career? Cool. Like, yeah, from transitioning from college, bro, like, that, that was my my next rugby team playing for um, Wellington Colts. Um, and I, I think it just came down to the, the coaches that we had. Eh? Um, we had a guy called Bevan and um, our back coach was Jimmy. And, bro, like, I think they, they – the, the the way that Lincoln set up their game plan and the way I think the way Canterbury set up their rugby is the game plan is, is best suited to the type of personnel that they have for the, for that day or for whatever team they feel because um, like they play high paced rugby and like obviously the skills and stuff is is next level bro so I think it's just the the, the nailing and, and drilling down those those cool fundamental things for Canterbury obviously from back in the days up to now they're still doing it and it's 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 a recipe that they obviously built them um, and they've had some success with that as well. Um, so I think it just comes down to the coaches, pretty much all the players buying in and then bring it, attracting the right type of talent, I think is, is probably the biggest thing. Because you don't see some, like you see some some big names in college um, go down to Christchurch, they don't really necessarily do well. They go somewhere else and they blossom, but you get uh, pretty much the battlers, they pretty much from school, not, not the biggest names coming out of college, not the kid that makes the, the first 15 every week. So those kids that, that buy their time and, and buy into that, that system pretty much blossom, I think, it, 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 in the in the Canterbury rugby area, which, which is definitely quite cool, eh? and it was cool to see. Yeah, it just seems for whatever reason, you know, you get kids that stay in Auckland or they come down to Wellington or perhaps yeah. they go a bit a little further down south to the likes of Otago and they just don't kick on. Mm. And I mean, and and that's obviously you can obviously judge that on an on an individual basis. But when you look at Canterbury, it just seems you know like every single year there's a new first five or there's a new open side yeah, or there's a new yeah. lock. And you know, like of course, with the success that the Crusaders have had and having you know a big group of those guys, you know, they're pretty much an all black team. And then you got Scott Robertson, yeah. and you know, being able to mingle with that sort of stuff um, yeah. as, as a young bloke down those ways, I guess it only bodes well. But yeah, their, their scouting department, you know, is obviously next level compared to everywhere else yeah. in the country. And yeah, well, they're, yeah they're, the proof's important. I'd say they're probably quite a couple of steps ahead um, with their recruitment and what they, they can offer players. And obviously, um, yeah, like my, my, my favourite team growing up has always been Crusaders. So that, that's pretty much what attracted me. I, I saw playing down south was made, made like my kind of my first step into China, to, to, towards trying to um, play for the Crusaders one day. So that, that's pretty much what attracted me to go down there the most. Hey, bro, hold up. Hope, look at the likes of um, old George Bauer, bro. The guy was yeah, just, bro. yeah, awesome, biding, biding his time down in Otago. Yeah. And, and especially like when you look at that sort of system, you know, once you get in, yeah. for a lot of those guys, they don't do anything spectacular, although they do make the, the easy stuff do look spectacular. For a lot of the time, they're just doing their job. Yeah. And that's why they're such a, a well-oiled machine. But yeah. as you mentioned, you you made the move home after struggling with, I guess, just life, you know, and, and finding that balance yeah. down south. <laughs> so what, what was the plan once you moved home? Like, you know, did you still have aspirations with your rugby or was it more about yeah. just finding a job to pay the bills? Uh, obviously, studying didn't really work out for me, but um, coming back home, yeah, I wanted to still kick on with my rugby, and then um, I got in touch with the 19s coaches at that time for for Wellington, because I, I, we we had a family home in Upper Hutt, so coming obviously coming back to Upper Hutt and Phil Rassi being at, being in up at the Upper Hutt Rams Club, um, that 
and Salisi being there. And I think he was, oh, Salisi came back after me, actually, sorry. So I got in touch with, with um, Dustin, um, who was the manager for the 19s. And he was he was quite keen for me to come back and try and, and crack the 19s there. And then hopefully, so, and I emailed the academy manager saying that I was coming back as well time which was Earl and he, he was uh, he was all good he was just saying that yeah come back and just keep my head down and, and work and, and then hopefully I'll get a spot back in the academy which uh, which I did I, I yeah pretty much just came back and tried to crack on with the 19s trainings and then they called me back into the academy but yeah my, like my old man pretty much said if, if studying isn't for you you need to get a job to, to help us out and, and obviously support yourself so my brother was working in town uh, for working income and then he just told me that they were hiring. So, yeah, I, 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 I applied there. Um, so I was working full-time and doing my academy trainings at the same time. Some guys were studying afterwards as well, but um, always went, me and uh, Dan Shrivers always went in together. Um, he always drove us into, into town and then dropped me off to work. So I was working full-time, doing the, the full trainings a week and then playing on the Saturday. Um, and yeah, I just always heard that in the back of my mind, obviously being, yeah, being around the rugby system, that I still want to hopefully try and make make uh doesn't matter where I play, hopefully try and play professional rugby in New Zealand. Um and then they obviously transitioned for a week for a couple of years and then got offered to go over to Fastball and then yeah but I did my three years and haven't really looked back since. <laughs> so how did the French opportunity pop up? So my coach for um the New Zealand Maris that I played in uh, New Zealand Maris secondary schools, we, we played um their uh, reps. He's the Tower Prems coach at the moment. One of his uh, good friends is a rugby agent in France. He's he's French, um, and he he just said that there's a club looking for, that was looking for a lock uh, slash Lucy number eight, and he asked if I, that was something that would be interested in. And yeah, bro, like he he asked me. I think it was on a Wednesday, and I signed on the Friday, and I was off in a couple of weeks because they they um they needed what's called a like a medical joker, uh, so someone that wasn't originally signed with the club at the start, but someone that came obviously came in for. Couple of maybe a couple of injuries that they were looking for that that player to, to fill those positions, and that just happened to me uh, be me, right? So I signed, and then I left there, and I went to a club called Bergerac in the south of France, and yeah, but I did my did one year there, then I moved over to another part of France, another uh, area in the south of France near Marseille, and I played for a club called um, Benaric Chatmes de Pape, and I did my two years there, and then I came back here in at the, um, early March, and I just yeah carried on with playing rugby back uh, for Bretoni. Beautiful, great pronunciation, I must say. I mean, I, I don't speak <laughs> French, but it sounded pretty good to me, bro. Um, how, how did you find the rugby over there? How does it differ from the Kiwi style of play? Because, you know, you hear a few yarns about it. Um, maybe not so much the south of France, because I know the weather's quite nice yeah. here. But, you know, it, it, it can get quite cold and quite yucky in Europe. And so mm-hmm. did the rugby change much for you as a, as a forward? Yep, like... My first game that I played for the the, the top side, um, we we played against it was like a, a derby match, so like the Huddle Boys versus Petoni from McBain. So it was uh, between Bergerac and a club called uh, Trinitac. That's about maybe 45, 50 minutes away. Um, so that was my first game. I came off the bench, bro, and like we were playing in front of maybe fifteen to eighteen hundred people in a, wow. in, a in a packed out stadium. Um, and for, for me, I was I was quite taken back by that. I was like, is it, if this is what every game is going to be like, then fire out like this is awesome. I was getting goosebumps that I haven't really had um, in, in a long time. Like, I remember I got goosebumps in my first game playing in those traditionals at school. Obviously playing some rugby along the way um, through, the, through the age grades of Wellington and then coming to play in front of 
that was that was my like the biggest crowd I've I played in in a long time coming from school. It was, it was quite surreal. I got about maybe twenty minutes, and it was just the blur. Bro. Like, I can't remember how many tackles I made or how many carries I made, but we we got through. But we we lost. Uh, like, I got through my first game. It was quite a cool experience. Luckily, at the time, our ten was he was a Kiwi. He was a Kiwi Samoan. Uh, he grew up in Walkworth, and he's been in over in France and Italy for about maybe eleven to twelve years. Um, so that that made my transition into the team quite easy because he was there, and our captain was English, and our hooker was Samoan. So he was an ex um Samoan hooker, a player called Samoan. He played about maybe sixteen, seventeen tests, and he was, and he was the guy I ended up staying with in, in our um in our house. <laughs> um, so we shared a four bedroom house, bro. And it was just the two of us. Wow. Um, and we 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 had a pretty sweet car. We had um a Volkswagen that we that he drove most most of the time because I was only on my my Luna license at the time. Um, yeah, bro. Like, but I was driving around there on my Lunas because um, <laughs> it was an automatic car, bro. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but like, like adjusting to the rugby, there was it's a lot different to to New Zealand because it was a lot slower, and like the skill level, like the skill level, sorry, wasn't wasn't as good as as, as New Zealand, obviously. Like, um, yeah, but like you get on like a nine or a fifteen or centers that you think should have a good pass or good kick, like they were struggling to do that, and like they obviously like being me, like I was like, oh. Like I can kick a goal, bro. I showed them, and they were like jumping for joy, like, oh, no, oh wow, like they've never seen a lock or a flanker kick a goal. And I'm like, oh, bro, there's a million of us going around in New Zealand that can kick, that can do what I do, but even better, bro. So, so I was kind of like the the like, pretty much I like to show off my skill, like so, like throw, show how how long I can pass a ball or how long I can kick a ball. Like they were all amazed by that, which was which was quite yeah, it was a bit different for me. Doing that in New Zealand, bro, you get shot down because you're a forward. So, <laughs> um, being in, in France and, and the four that can, like, like yeah, pass the ball um, a bit better than some of the backs or kick the ball a bit better. Yeah, bro, it's just the skill level and the speed of the rugby, like, suited me because it was a lot slower because they like that, like that crash, crash and bash sort of rugby. Pretty much, like, it was, yeah, it was quite one-dimensional, bro. And, like, I've never scrummed so much in my in my life playing playing French rugby, bro, like, You'd get a thirty minute thirty meter penalty by right in front of the posts, and they'd go for the scrum. <laughs> um, you get a five meter five meter penalty right in front of the post, bro. They go for the scrum. Ted, like, bro, like I thought I was gonna get cauliflower ears, bro. Like the amount of scrumming we were doing, we're doing like hour and a half scrum training at a, at our um at sessions that like we start from six and we finish like eight thirty quarter to nine, bro. And majority of that was was scrums and being the lock, bro. I hated it. Like, my eardrums were sore, bro. Like, I was getting cuts on my ear. Like, I mean, it's my job, bro, but, like, I've never actually scrummed so much in my life. Like, like legit. <laughs> How did you find... I mean, did, did many of the boys speak English? Um, nah, not really, bro. Like, uh, luckily, I knew, like, the basics of, like, basic French going into France because I took French for two years at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I knew how to introduce myself, like, ask people how they are. The days of the week and like the like one to twenty, but that was it. That's yeah. all I knew. But the only English the boys knew were the swear words. So they knew the <laughs> F word. Then you had to say um like bitch and like the yeah the accents when yeah, they say yeah, asshole yeah. was is completely <laughs> different to how we say it. But yeah, bro, we had some some funny characters in our in our team and over the three years that that tried to speak English, but it was just broken. It was mixed between French and English, but mostly because of mostly French. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, bro, it was, it was quite funny, eh? 
And then obviously when we try to speak French, they'd laugh because <laughs> of our accent. And but yeah, they they like most of the boys were quite welcoming. Um, but then again, we had some guys in the, in the in the team that obviously being the foreigner in the team, um, and you're playing that position. They they looked at us as 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 a threat to, to them and in their job and their position. So. Yeah, bro, like some some of them are all good. Well, most of them are all good, actually. But then some of them are a bit standoffish at the start until they got to know you a bit better. And you get, as long as they got to understand you a bit better, they, they kind of enjoy try to yeah, have a chat to you as, as opposed to just talking to you at trainings outside of, outside of rugby. Um, yeah, bro, that, that was the biggest thing for me. And how did your life work? Because, you know, I'm not, not getting too personal. You're obviously on, <laughs> on, a, on a decent enough wicket to just be solely focusing on rugby. So yeah. was it like... And I mean, what, what, were you the only one in your team or was your whole team being paid just to play rugby? I mean, how, how did that all work, you know, from from your team? Um, so my first club that I was at, uh, Bergerac, there was about maybe eight to ten of us that were on fully pro contracts because um, they were quite a small club. They just got promoted from uh, Federal 2. Uh, so that's like uh, fourth division in France. Um, so they just got, promo- uh, got promoted because they, I think they won the year before they made the finals. Um, so they got promoted. Um, so they, they had quite a small budget compared to all the other teams. So, yeah, there were about eight to ten of us. That, uh, so pretty much what my week looked like, bro, is we either played on the Saturday or Sunday. We'd rest Monday, but we'd train Tuesday. Wednesday was skills, compulsory, compulsory skills for all the, the pro-contracted players. And then some of the other club players that could make it at the time. And then um, training Thursday. And then uh, we'd go team run uh, Friday just for about 30, 40 minutes, and then we, we play on either the Saturday or the Sunday. But yeah, bro, that, that's, and like, it's like we had full access to the club gym, but it was pretty pretty basic, just had your bench and your squat rack and a couple of machines, but that was pretty much it. So we, we got given the codes and stuff to go, and we were encouraged to go. We had our trainer there that told us that he'd written us programs, so obviously it being in French was a bit different, so we had to YouTube um, what some of the exercises and some of the exercises were a bit different to what we were we were taught growing up through um, in New Zealand, eh? So um, it was always that clash, bro. And like for me, bro, it's like I, I looked at it like um like the first couple of weeks, bro. I admit it, but I was like into it. I was training hard, and then I just got into some bad habits, eh? Just just because I couldn't drive, bro. And like like my my flatmate um that I stayed with, uh, Andrew, <laughs> like bro, he's he's been there, bro. He's done that, you know. He's he's played professional rugby. He's he's played for his country. Like he wasn't really motivated to go train or, or or like go down to the field do a bit of extras like he wasn't like he, he didn't he didn't need to do it like because he was still good bro he'd shop on saturday and he'd do his job and, and play awesome mm-hmm. um but for me being being young and like i was i was 20 at that time bro and like I, I saw that bro i was like fuck like this guy's doing it like i think i could do it too not like me i hadn't like i hadn't played for my country i hadn't, hadn't played like might have 10 rugby or whatever you know but I I acted like I did because because of what what um what I was around every day like he would just kick back sleep in to about maybe right ten thirty eleven o'clock um and then <laughs> we'd just chill out maybe go for a coffee in the middle of town bro come back he'd go back to sleep maybe I'd have a quick nap otherwise I'd just play PlayStation for the rest of the day bro like and that was what my Monday was like Tuesdays was a bit different like we'd have lunch together would like we'd we'd always share a meal like like back home bro like. That that's probably what what I value the most being with, with being with Andrew in the house. Like we, um, yeah, we'd always share a meal together. We would always laugh, joke. It was like being back home, bro. And um, but then again, he'd always go back to sleep, and then I'd be left by myself. And then, 
um, I just always play PlayStation, bro. Like, I try to jump in and play with all the boys because of the time difference, you know? Like, mornings would be nighttime in New Zealand, mm-hmm. nighttime would be mornings. Um, so I tried to jump in as much as I could with all the boys, but the lag was real late, but it didn't really help that I was quite rubbish at the game as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, bro, that, that's what my week looked like, really, until we played. Um, then we'll get the usual lunch at the um, stadium if it was a home game. We'll get, we'll get fed before the game, and then um, even if away game, we'll get fed, and then we'll go on, like, maybe a three- to four-hour bus ride to, to the games. And then, yeah, bro, that's, that's pretty much what my life was, really. And then trying to fit in talking to my mum and dad as much as I could. Uh, but, mum, I don't I think there was a day that my mum didn't message me asking me how I am or what I'm doing today. And my answer would be the same. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation, eat, sleep. Next day. Hi, son, how are you? What are you doing? <laughs> um, just had breakfast, about to play PlayStation. Watching Netflix. <laughs> like, that was my day, bro. Like, I, I didn't, like, there'd be the odd day where I'd go to the gym because my, my flatmate wanted to go. But then again, like, majority of the week, bro, like, yeah, we'll just pretty much just kick back at home or, yeah, that, that was pretty much what my week was. My first year, but the last couple of years were a bit different. <laughs> I got to admit, bro, that sounds awesome. Well, what do you mean? Like, you mean you're 20 at the time, right? And, yeah, know, bro, so I've... But... <laughs> I've been thinking back to when I was at uni and, you know, like, I couldn't get out of uni quick enough. Yeah. So I'd come home and I'd literally, I remember like when Fortnite was the craze and I'd literally be wow. jumping on and like, there, there was always one boy on and you'd, I remember just, I remember just like, I'd get up in the morning, go to uni, get home, play it all day, have rugby training, get back from rugby training, wouldn't even have showered, like we'd be playing mm-hmm. the game, it gets like midnight because you just lose track of time playing it with the boys. Yeah. And then it's like shower, and then I'm in bed, then I'm back to uni the next day. So, I mean, I can only imagine having so much time afforded to you and then not yeah, really bro. having to worry about anything else because, you know, yeah. rugby's taking care of your life with yeah. the money and um, all that other stuff. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, bro. like, even even looking back now, bro, and I mean, I don't take this as a dig. Do you look back and look at how much time that you're afforded, you know, and in your time over in France and maybe think back, you know, even being in a position now, you know, say you had gone and done those extras or, you know, gone down to the gym, do you think that things may have turned out differently in France or is it quite cutthroat over there in terms of progressing to, you know, bigger teams or, you know, picking up different contracts? No, 100%, bro. Like, I look back now, like, being New Zealand, now I'm working, like, um, and it's worked for almost three and a half, four years, bro. Like, I I was taken care of, you know? But yeah, but I look I look back at it now and like obviously I, I wish I'd gone to the gym more, I wish I did those extras. But yeah, but like I was I was still getting by with my rugby, I was still getting contracts uh every year. Cause me being like what I had on my side was my age, bro, and like where I came from. Like they, they look at like especially us like in, in France, but they look at us like any foreign island, whether you're from Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, bro, like if they see that on your on your passport, bro, they, they automatically love you, bro. Like like that like that that's like I was getting by on, on my like my nationality on my passport because I was speak, I had I have a Fijian passport, mm-hmm. um so it was, it's it's quite easier because I to go by licenses according to your um your playing like your playing licenses according to your nationality, so you can only have a certain amount of Fijian or like um island passports in your team so that's classed license B, and a certain amount of um license C in your twenty three, um so I think at, at when I was there it was about maybe three and two. 3B and 3-2 licenses. And then of every year, it's, it's cut down, bro. So every year, uh, it's it's harder and harder for foreigners to, to find contracts over over in France, especially. 
um, because what what the French rugby union is trying to do, I think at the at, at the moment is trying to filter out all the um, foreigners out of France so they can focus solely on on their French players and and pay their French their French players as opposed to paying someone from overseas. <laughs> but yeah, bro, like yeah, I, I look back at it now, like being young, bro. Once again, like yeah. I just, I, I think I kind of took it for granted. I looked at, I looked at it as like a paid holiday, pretty much. Um, like you, you, you get your rent sorted, you go on a car, you get your, um, you get fed every day. Like with my last couple of years, but we get, we got lunches every day, uh, from Monday to Friday. Um, we had a, a old fella cook for us in a clubhouse every day, Monday to Friday, bro. And like we, we were taken care of quite well. Um, but yeah, but like looking back now, like I, I was, I was still playing some, some decent rugby, not, not, not the best that I've ever played, but. I was still getting by and still getting along with you know, get, getting getting to play some some good and get some big minutes in in France overseas and then yeah, but I think I almost played about maybe fifty games over the the two yeah. two three years. I think I was on maybe forty seven, forty eight before I moved back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's like a like I arrived late in in the season in my first year. Um, but the last yeah the last two years, bro, like I've yeah I've I've played some pretty pretty big minutes and some uh, quite a few games. So. Yeah, but I look back at it now, and I think, yeah, if, if, if I clicked on a bit more, maybe I could be playing maybe Pro D2 or playing for um, a fully pro club in, in, in Fed 1. But then again, bro, like, yeah, didn't, it didn't happen. Like like um, like what you just said, bro, like with all the time I, I've been given um, overseas, like I should I should have taken it with both hands. Like I, like I look back now, like someone in someone my age right now, given the opportunity, bro, to go overseas, play rugby, get paid to do it, bro, like, They'd actually want to train. They'd actually want to, you know, be motivated to to prove to the club that they they belong and that they should be paid. Whereas I was like, I I got along with my skill set that I had, being bring through the academies and and playing college rugby and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I just seemed to get by, bro, because I was always ahead with with my skill set. Like I'm not trying to be cocky, but yeah, bro, like compared to to the forwards and stuff in France, bro, like our skill set compared to theirs was was on a whole whole different level. But I mean, that's the thing though, like when you are so young and you're away from your family, so mm. that could even be a thing in terms of keeping you grounded and making sure that you sat on the right track. Because like you said, you know, with your mum checking up on you every day, I can only yeah. imagine had she been there, she probably would have kicked you off your PlayStation after your, your, yeah. your second or third day and your would've, old man would have been, been... A few kicks and a few hidings and a few punches coming from my old man, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the amount of hours yeah. I was putting into the PlayStation, bro, holy heck like, and that's oh. what I mean. Like, and then, like you said, even though you know, bless him, you know, you've got um, almost like the the perfect housemate in terms of having this old fella. And, you know, he's obviously a guy that maybe <laughs> he took you under his wing. Yeah. Uh, and because he maybe had been a little bit further down the track, he he might not have been quite there to to help you sort of kick on with with some of that other yeah. stuff. And then, like you yeah. said, you fall into bad habits, and then it's just a cycle. And like you said, when, like I've seen you play footy, bro. You're a very talented footballer, and then. If you can actually get by on that, you know, you look at anyone who's talented. If if they can do enough to get by on it, you know, nine times out of ten they do. You know, you, you, it's very rare that you get the guys at such a young age have that intrinsic ability to have that drive to want to be better. Because you know, there's so many distractions for us young fellas, like you said, with the playstations and whatever else happening. That you know, yeah. and like you said, when you're young, you, you think you've got it all figured out. Especially like you said, you're almost like on holiday mode. So you're like. Why would you want to change things? Because you're having so much fun. But, you know, <laughs> you live and you learn and, like, you've banked that now. And mm. now you're back in New Zealand and you came back from Europe um, 
mean, like your dream's not over, bro. I mean, I've had little birdies telling me that you know you were you were tied in with the the Wellington Lions before you broke your arm. So maybe touch on your transition back to New Zealand, bro. And I know that you you had the biggest blessing you know of all occur mm-hmm. this year. So yeah, yeah. How's how's being a dad changed your life? And where is footy? <laughs> you know, I've, I've asked you about where footy is for you now, but yeah, like you've got so much going on and. You've, you've got so much I, I guess you want to achieve considering, you know, you're still 24. Yeah, bro. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go back. Start of March this year. Bro, I was I was probably the, like, I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I was probably the heaviest I've ever been in my life. Eh? Like, especially playing rugby, I was, I think I was weighing about maybe 128 kgs, bro. Like, I, I got off the, I got off the plane, bro. I weighed myself. I thought my, my mum's scales were broken. So, <laughs> I went to the pharmacy, weighed myself, bro. It's still the same number. <laughs> I was like, hold <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Too many kebabs in France, bro. Because the food in France, but that's that's a whole other that's a whole other um can of worms, bro. But yeah, bro, I was I think I enjoyed the the French pastries too much, the the French um kebabs, bro. Um, but yeah, bro. Um, yeah, came back in March. Had like a had like a week off, and then yeah, bro, I was straight into preseason with with Petoni. And then yeah, it was it was a bit of a hard decision for me because um, beforehand I, I played um, I got I got my blazer for Upper Hutt, um, played almost about fifty games for them and it was it was quite a hard decision for me to change change clubs but I thought yeah uh, thought I'd come home and and try try a new challenge and, and obviously try and, and crack on with it with a different club and, and see how it goes from there um, and yeah bro like I did my preseason played played our preseason games for for Petoni and. Yeah, but I I don't have any regrets playing playing for uh, playing for Petoni. Um, obviously club rugby is a whole different um level to to rugby over in France. It's it's a lot more physical here. Um, so it was just being getting a getting adjusted to the to the speed and obviously the the contact again. <laughs> um, because there's some big big bodies in in, in Wellington. Obviously, you, you'd know yourself, Kingy. Um, being a halfback, <laughs> like like I I thought I'd get by with with my with my weight, bro. But like I was getting. There was some pretty big contact with, yeah. I was taking some some heavy contact, bro, and my body was was just not used to it. So, just trying to get 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 um back into the cycle of, of the rugby back again. Um, being in New Zealand and um, it was pretty much the main thing. And yeah, played played um in some pretty big matches as well. Like we we played GR first week, bro. That was my first game because um I rolled my ankle in the, I think my ankles gave gave away because I was a bit too heavy, bro. I'm not used to 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 my, my ankles weren't used to my weight. Uh, so, bro, I bought my new boots, we took them to training, bro. And then I don't know if there was a hole or I just stepped the wrong way, bro, and I rolled my ankle, eh? Mm. And then that was me. I was done for about two weeks. So I missed the first game um, against Johnsonville, and then I played against you guys in Petone, uh, up in Wainui, uh, which we lost. <laughs> so was, funny old game tough, that one, well, no, yeah, funny old game. Yeah, that bro, one. like, like I was, I was, I was sitting in the changing room, bro, and I saw that I saw my jersey hanging out. I was like, mm. Don't know if I'll be able to fix this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I had to ask our manager. I was like, I had to whisper to him. I was like, bro, like, I was like, is um, I'm sorry, but I don't think I can fit that jersey. Eh? He goes, oh, don't worry, we'll go find you a big one. So lucky there was a, uh, I think it was like a three XL for um, that, that one of the senior ones boys had, uh, that he didn't that he didn't end up using because I think he took one uh, one of the other smaller ones. So I, I ended up using that, bro, and like, far out, bro. You could I, I watched like I still um. What some of our games were, and I could see like my my jersey, bro. Like, I think it was crying out for help. Like, it was so tight on my body. Like, I keep trying to pull it down to stretch it, 
Like every every spare moment, like in the field, like like, like the game's still going on, bro. Like I'd be in the middle of a ruck, and you could just see me pulling pulling my 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 juicy down because I don't want anyone to see my stomach. But yeah, bro, like once again, bro, like we 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 I like uh, put a head down, and obviously through through lockdown, like I was training with uh, Mutz from uh, he's one of the old heads at, at our club, um, and he, he's he's done quite well for himself now with with the playing for the Sunwolves and. Um, obviously, back in the, the Lions mix of the last few years, like um, he took kind of took me under his wing, and yeah, bro, we were, we were running, he was running me crazy. <laughs> we were doing like Broncos, or, or like, and at Fraser Park, he was um, like always picking me up. He was like, oh, I'm 10 minutes away, come out. I'd always go for a run, come back, then I'd just, I'd just be dead for the rest of the day, bro. Like, he'd kill me. Like, he was running, he was doing like, his fitness blocks that he was meant to be doing um, for the Sun Wars, but it's making me run it with him too, bro. So, it was it was a tough few slogs for the for the first few weeks, bro. And then kind of got in got into a little groove, and then became a bit easier because my, my weight started dropping a bit more. Because I was wondering why everyone was complaining about lifting me at trainings. <laughs> <laughs> like, like um, cra- the, uh, our flanker, crazy Jared Hurstich, bro. At my first couple of training, he go- he looked at me. He goes, "Bah, so glad I didn't have to lift you, bro." I'm like, "Alrighty." <laughs> <laughs> You're a big bully, <laughs> but he's, bro, he's he's good. He's good. He's a good time, bro. So, but lots of lots of good time. Uh, lots of good fellas in Patoni, bro. So I've, I've really enjoyed my time there. And then yeah, bro, like uh, played against Upper Hut. That's where I broke my arm. Um, came off the bench. Baby was born on the Wednesday. Uh, she was born on the twelfth. And then I broke my arm on the fifteenth, bro. So yeah, fractured my my radius in half. It was a pretty big fracture. Um, was in a cast for about six weeks. Just came off last Friday, but yeah, bro. Like being a dad is, is obviously being a, been a, quite a huge blessing to to me, my partner, and my family. It, it had its it, it's had its ups and downs because I was still thinking like with especially with baby now, like bro, like I'd still think like so as long as she's asleep, I can still play PlayStation with the boys, like you know. <laughs> but as soon as I make a little like even if I cough, bro, I think she, her and her mum, bro, have have, have like the. They're communicating with each other somehow, or maybe her mum is just waking her up. Like as soon as I, you know how the PlayStation makes that that beep beep sound, <laughs> bro. I press the controller, it goes beep, then all you hear is wow, wow. Like, oh, oh no! And then my missus is pretending to sleep to be asleep, and I'm like, oh. As soon as I jump on, but I have to say sorry, boys. We'll be in the middle of a rec game and um of two K, bro. And then like baby starts crying, I'll be like, oh sorry, boys, I gotta go. They're like. Now all good, all good, all good. And I tried, like, I even tried to troll some of the, like, the guys on the game chat. Like, I tried to pretend like I'm a kid. And then I was playing with one of the boys, um, George from Tony. We were playing, um, we were playing some threes in, in 2K. And then I was, like, pretending I was a little kid. I was like, hey, guys, can you guys be my friend? And, like, talking, talking shit to them, bro. And, and then at the end, we won. And then baby started crying. And then the, you can hear on the game chat, bro, the kids go, oh, He's not a kid. He's 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 a dad. <laughs> I was like, oh. I unplugged my mic straight away, and I turned off my PlayStation. <laughs> so, bro, I've, yeah. So, um, yeah, bro, it's 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 been quite fun, and, and she's eight weeks today. So, um, so a couple of months. So, yeah, yeah bro, it's it's been been quite cool for us. And yeah, bro, like I started my new job on Monday, start seven thirty, and finish around maybe four thirty, five o'clock now. So I don't get to see her as much. So. Trying to spend as much time as I can with her, while while she's awake, because usually that, that time she's just being fed and about to be put to bed. Um, so it's just kind of finding that right balance, and uh, rugby's kind of died down a bit now, which is good. I was I was gonna try and put my name forward for a bit of sevens in the summer, 
but uh, I got the got the um, got the decline from the, from the doc, so just have to do my rehab for the next six weeks, bro. Because there's a few sevens tournaments coming up that I thought I could try and have a run at, but yeah, bro, my my plate's still being set in my in my arm, so yeah, just got to look after that because my my grip's still no good, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it, bro. Like I'm learning every day how to become a dad, how to what not to do, what to do. So, and I think that just goes with 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 every day. But like you, you're learning and you're growing every day, uh, whether or not whether that's with work or with, with just with your life, bro. I think that that's pretty much what what you got to do. Just take it with a grain of salt and try to do better tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure, bro. That's all we can do is learn from yeah. our experiences and then hope not to make the same mistake again, bro. But that, that's awesome, bro. Like, obviously, like 2020's been a, a big year of change for a lot of people, yeah. and it's cool to hear that you know coming back from France and, you know, transitioning from that lifestyle that you had over there, you know, into, you know, you know, arguably the biggest phase of your life with becoming a dad and, and being a parent. And like you said, you started a new job, you had a new club now. And um, it's been, it's been unfortunate, obviously, to, to break your arm and not see out the rugby season the, the way you would have liked to, or even now, you know, looking to play a bit of sevens and then, you know, making sure you, you stay fit so you're not having to catch up by the time summer rolls around. Oh, I didn't say stay fit, but I need to get fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, bro, so. Oh. But, yeah, but, you know, yeah. so it, 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 it's cool to hear that you, you've got a foundation now, you know, like, and yeah. you, you know where you want to go, and now it's all about getting your arm right and finding that balance. So, yeah, and I, and I think that wraps up all that I wanted to encompass from your career so far, I mean, because like I said, you, you're still only a young, but what I like to do with, with all of you boys that come on and, and the gals that I've had on is get maybe a glimpse of your game day routine. Now, mm. um, obviously being over in France, like you said, it, it, was, it, was, it was a bit different to what you're perhaps going through now because yeah. you know, you're fully contracted, but how, how did your Saturday and Sunday mornings work and you know, did you have any superstitions before games or did you have to get a, a meal in, you know, that morning or or the night before to, to make sure your head was right the next day, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, bro, in, in France, my, my prep was totally different uh, compared to what it, what it is now at the moment. Um, but, yeah, bro, like, depending if we're playing on a, a Saturday, so if we play on a Saturday night, so we'd usually kick off around 7.30 or 7pm at night. Um, so, yeah, bro, I'd just chill out pretty much all day, try and eat eat in the morning, have breakfast, have lunch, and then have some light snacks, because, um, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to eat too much before games, otherwise I'd feel a bit, yeah, feel a bit heavy, and yeah, last thing you want before kick-off is a stitch, bro. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably knowing me, bro, I'd probably eat a bit too much, but, um, yeah, bro, like, my, probably my main superstitions that followed me all the way from when I first started rugby to, to now is, is like, I, like, before, like, before I go out to, um, before I leave the house, and once I've packed all my stuff, like I, I like we have, because we're quite a strong Christian family, like quite uh, strong Catholics, um, so um, we've always been been encouraged to to say our prayer before you leave. So that, that's pretty much what I've done my whole rugby career and, and up till now. Like I've always said my morning prayer and pretty much just ask ask God to yeah protect everyone that we play against, not only myself, my teammates, our position, so there's no really any serious injuries or anything like that. And then um, we have a little bottle of holy water that um, we like to. The mum likes to put some put on put on us, me and my brothers or my sisters. Uh, my sister before she leaves for netball, um, she likes to yeah just kind of 
put some on the hand and rub it all over our bodies, our shoulders and our legs just to make sure that they were protected. And yeah, bro, that, that's pretty much my, my routine. Like I have the, like before game day, like I always put the left boot on before the right. And that, that's, that, yeah, that, that's pretty much me, bro. Like the main thing for me is just making sure I've, I've eaten my, my breakfast and then my like some light snacks before games. And then, yeah, bro, just, just making sure, pretty much just making sure I've, I've holy water on my body and then just said my prayers is pretty much the the main thing. Mm-hmm. Bro, just touching on your, your, your pre-game snacks, bro, you chucked up an Instagram story of the Petoni Rugby Club or the Petoni Premier's changing room for a game. You guys yeah, got quite bro. a wicked setup, bro. Like you got the chocolate oh. milks and the Powerades and the protein <laughs> bars. Um, yeah, I mean, why not? He's a pretty good setup, but you know, like, um, <laughs> and, you know, like, don't. I hope if Gail was listening to this, our manager, please don't take any offense. But you know, just the the coordination, bro. I mean, Tony well, just seems to be on another level. Maybe it's the reason why you guys made top four this year. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it right now. Shout out to Iz. Israel likes to organize everything. As you noticed in my Instagram post, everything was color coordinated and, and flavor wise. So with the up and goes, bro, you start from strawberry, work your way out to the to the more sweeter. Sweeter things, if you like that, on your palate, like towards the chocolate and the banana, and also maybe the vanilla, if that's your flavor. Um, and we have the old protein balls, the protein bars, but bro, like that's every week. So if you're looking to, to up your um your, your pregame snack routine or join Petoni, that's that's all I can say. Because we're on a next level, and I think like yeah, it's our trainers, our coaches, and stuff. But Israel does really look after us, so. I think obviously him being around some some of the um, New Zealand rugby teams as well kind of kind of helped him quite a bit um, as well, which is which is quite cool. So yeah, shout out to Iz for looking after us at Petoni, and that I think that runs down all the way through to our Colts team and our women's team as well. So we're quite a well organised and uh, well oiled machine, as, as as you could say. <laughs> well, I, I'll take some sort of satisfaction having having beat you boys this year. So we yeah, didn't no, quite we didn't no. quite finish, you know, the way you guys did, but. Um, hey, you got you got you got a chip, bro. You got you got a medal. You got a trophy. That's all you we can did, ask for. bro. We got a Harden Cup. Probably the first trophy and medal I've got in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I remember my, my I remember my first Harden Cup like it was just yesterday too, bro. It's it's quite a quite an unreal feeling. <laughs> well, what's the song? There's only one cup, bro. There's, there's only one. Cup. Exactly, bro. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, right now it's, it's still a quite a special trophy, bro. Like if you look into it and, and read into it a bit more, uh, you'll you'll know the significance of of um, the Harlem Cup as well. So, yeah, it's not it's not the one that we're after, obviously. But yeah, bro, congratulations to you and Wanui as well for for winning um the Harlem Cup, bro. So it's yeah, shout out to you guys as well. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Hopefully next year we're um we're continuing with you guys yeah, in the sure. top four. But uh, just just to wrap up this interview, bro. This has been this has been really really good. Um, I've got a segment that I call <laughs> Ten in the Bin. Yep, bro, I've just got sorry. 10 questions to, to fire at you. So, uh, first one, what's your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks? It has to be a long white uh, Fijoa. Mm, nice. Who is the biggest coach's pet you have been around? Oh, Khan Green, bro. Khan Green from Batoni. Like, from, from college, I've heard some stories about him all the way through to club rugby now. He is definitely the coach's pet. So, I'll make sure he listens. <laughs> All right, what's your must-do on a day off? Sleep. <laughs> Same here, bro. What's your least favourite fitness block? Oh, bro, bronco, like Broncos, the Bronco test. 
Like, I don't think there's enough time for me to run a whole, like, a fast Bronco. I'm just putting it out there. Whoever made the Bronco test, huh, mate, me and you can't be friends. <laughs> Favourite cheat meal? I, I have cheat meals every day, so it's a bit tough. Um, it, it'd have to be, like, a, a good fatty kebab in France. Like, you could fill it in with the kebab meat, cordon bleu. Uh, you can add mozzarella uh, and chicken. Bro, that, that's... So that's that's my that's my go-to in, in France, bro. That's kebab, but I was having that for at least twice a week for dinner. But yeah, next question. Um, <laughs> uh, most regretful purchase, bro. So what out has there ever been something that you've gone out and splashed a whole lot of money on, and then been like, mm-hmm. bro, I did not need to buy that. Um, ooh, probably these shoes that I've got, bro. I have these um Adidas shoes that um I bought in France because they're, they're on clearance. Um, but I'm a size 13, but those shoes are a size 11. Um, but, but bro, maybe it was because of my socks. Like, I thought they'd be comfy. And I wore them around, bro. Like, I did a good walk around the the, um, the Adidas shop. Um, and I was like, you know, these are sweet. I'll buy them. Bro, I took them home. I was wearing really thin ankle socks. And I tried them on with my, um like, some some my, some of my Stan socks. Bro, you should see um, you should see my toes, bro. They were so curled up. My mate was making was making fun of them, saying that they looked like Mount Everest, because that's how cool. Yeah, like you seen Salisi's feet. That was my feet in shoes. So, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm, I was a bit disappointed with my precious, but yeah, I think my oh, brother's wearing them now. Like you said, you live and you learn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guilty music pleasure. So, who's the one artist or one song on your Spotify that you wouldn't want the boys finding out about that they're gonna find out about now? Ooh, bro, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge Dojo Cat fan, bro. Yeah, like, say, like the typical say so. Um, yeah, some of the TikTok songs, like, cause I watch a bit of TikTok myself. Um, but yeah, bro, some of the songs, I, I, I quite, I like to have a little boogie too. And yeah, I try not to play too loud around the, around the missus, cause she seems to question me with my song choices sometimes. But yeah, bro, Dojo Cat's probably my, um, my, my guilty um, pleasure when it comes to music. Just on that, bro. So, do you make TikToks or are you just an avid scroller? Just, just an avid scroller, bro. I'm, I'm an avid viewer, as, as um, I like to like to point out. So, there's not really a fixed genre I like to watch, but just whatever comes in my newsfeed, I like to have a good look and in, look into their page and see what kind of vibe I catch from them and whether or not they'll they'll get a follow from me. But yeah, that, that's um, <laughs> I'm an avid viewer, bro. I'm an avid uh, TikTok viewer. Yeah, but I can't, man. I can't dance to save my life, save my life, bro. Well, funny you mentioned that, bro. I was just about to ask you, what's your go-to dance move if you have one? Um, I'd like to say I do a pretty good sprinkler, bro. Like I think now with with the scar on my hand, but I look a bit more ruthless. Cause I, so I'll try put my arm up a bit and show that off a bit more, and I make a good sprinkler noise. Do, do you want me to to play to send a nap for you or? <laughs> nah, it, it definitely has to be the, the a sprinkle, bro. But I also do a little, a little. I reckon I do a little, um, a decent duggy as well. Yeah, a few of the boys rate their duggies, eh? Like, a few <laughs> of the boys I've, I've had on, they're like, yeah, I do a pretty good duggy, yeah. I'm just like, oh, fair enough, because I don't. So hopefully <laughs> you guys do. Ninth question: biggest grub you've played with and against? Biggest grub I've played with and against. Ugh. Um, probably have to be Tyler Tane, bro. You know yourself, he's like the Petroni game. Oh, he's a grub. He's a grub. Tyler Tane, he's a grub. <laughs> <laughs> and playing with him at Upper Hut, bro. I think I played it two years with him. Right, like, 
would have our, our kicking challenges and stuff, and he'd never pay up for coffee, bro, because he'd be cut that I beat him. Like with you, when I beat you at our kicking comp, like at least you, you fronted it up and, and bought coffees that day, but far out, like. That guy, I think he owes me some coffee. He owes me a couple, few coffees, bro. Because the amount of times I've, I've beaten him at kicking competitions. <laughs> oh, to be fair to him, bro, he's, he's won us quite a few games with his boots. So, yeah, Don't when he's on... that, bro. I, can, I can already see his head getting a bit bigger now. Um, oh, yeah. yeah bro, he's, he definitely has to be one of the biggest grubs I've played with and against. <laughs> yeah, put it this way. I'm glad he's in my team rather than playing against him. <laughs> All right, bro. Last question to wrap it up. Cheap. Saturdays. Uh, four. I can't say the boys anymore because my missus might um, listen to this. So Saturdays are for family. Beautiful, bro. Well, they they <laughs> should be anyway, bro. I mean, like the way I've always tried to spin is that the boys are an extension of my family. So if I say family, <laughs> I sort of get away with it. But um, yeah, I've, I've copped a bit of stick when I stayed in, and the boys have been like, "Where are you?" I'm like, "Well, I'm, I'm with my I'm with my family, and I'll and I'll be with you boys later." So. Just turn your phone on, do not disturb, in airplane mode. That way you don't get no calls coming in. And you just, you just deal with it in the morning, bro. You, that way you wake up with a happy missus or happy happy family member the next day. Hey, done. The problem is I get too bad a FOMO, bro. So I'm my own worst enemy. So um, <laughs> if it's like we've mentioned um, numerous times in this podcast, bro, it's about striking that balance. So as long as I get the mahi done at home, mum and yep. the rest of the crew are happy for me to go off and do whatever with the boys so That's but I guess bro. for you now you know you, you, you've got a little one to look after and mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll get around the boys when you can but you know yeah no, just, yeah. no I'm enjoying it bro Dead like, life. I think I, I think I've, I can change uh, I think I'm the fastest um, nappy changer in the world at the moment I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to time myself and I'll share that with you a bit later but like I was doing it quite fast with one arm but now I've got two <laughs> You need to get Guinness World Records out here to my house to, to time me because I think I've, I'm doing quite a good job. But yeah, bro, it's, there's been a lot of stinky uh, diapers and I've, I've been pissed on a few times. So <laughs> just, yeah, I'm just learning, bro. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hopefully. Um, I mean, I, I don't plan on becoming a dad anytime soon, but I know that once that day comes, I've got the perfect guy to, to reach out <laughs> to and, and learn. Well, I'm, I'm thinking bro. of starting my own YouTube channel, but yeah, you know, I'm. I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see because there's already how to dad um, at the moment. I'll be watching quite a few, um, quite a, quite a bit actually on, on YouTube. So, um, yeah, shout out to how to dad as well. <laughs> Who's that Kiwi guy? Have you seen him? Yeah, bro. He's hilarious. He's hey. crack, I think. Oh, well, maybe something for for later down the line once you get, you know, <laughs> once you get that grip right in your hands and you can start typing and, and, and grabbing the mouse <laughs> properly, bro. But for now, obviously, all the best to you and your whanau. Hopefully, like I just mentioned, the arm heels quicker and and yeah i mean like you've got so much going on in your life right now and like you said rugby's died down so hopefully that frees up a bit more time i know that it's been a bit crazy for me you know having my tuesday and thursday nights back and then yeah having the saturdays back so yeah bro until i get to see you in person all the best and thank you very much again for jumping on the podcast cheers bro thanks for having me um yeah just to everyone that's listening make sure you, you follow um Kenny on Instagram and also um, on Spotify as well. So yeah, but thanks for the opportunity to talk shit with you on um, on your podcast, bro. <laughs> Hopefully, um, there's um, some people listening, but I'll, I'll definitely share the link out as well on um, the social media platforms as well, bro. So yeah, thanks heaps, man. You're the man, Vern. Okay, take care, brother. See you later, bro.